Friendship family, I'm glad to see you on this Sunday. We're in the season of Advent. That word Advent simply means coming. And so this whole season culminates with the birth or the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ on Christmas Day. And so we're celebrating the wonder of Advent by remembering what his birth, his coming, actually brought us. And so there's four themes that we're exploring throughout this month. We're considering hope, peace, joy, and love. This morning, we're going to talk about the wonder of joy. And so let me start by talking about what is joy? What is, what is joy all about? We've been singing about it this morning, but what actually is joy? Well, if you look it up in the dictionary, you might find a definition like this. It says, the emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. A keen pleasure or elation. And I love some of those words in there, like delight and satisfying when you talk about joy. I think it's more than just simple happiness. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But this idea of joy, you know, in the Christian life, in Christianity, living for God, living for the Lord, it, it, it can become about many things, this whole thing of Christianity. But sometimes we leave out this idea of joy we, we settle for duty, we settle for doing the right thing, we settle for living without joy in the Lord, driving all that we do. And you know what Christianity becomes when we lose our joy? It becomes empty ritual. It becomes empty ritual. And I don't know if you've heard this term, it's kind of become more popular in church world over the last few years. Um, it's the, the, the phrase or the idea of deconstruction stories. I don't know if you've heard that term or that phrase, what that means is, is over the last few years, and it's been going on for years anyways, but there's been more of this proliferance of Christian, um, well-known Christians in the public light, like maybe Christian music artists or celebrities or pastors or Christian leaders who have walked away from the faith. And these, are, these have been come to known as, as deconstruction stories. Like, so, so people who have served the Lord, lived for the Lord, and then they've come through this season of deconstructing or breaking down their faith and ultimately walking away from their faith, walking away from the church, walking away from ministry altogether. Now, there's a lot of theories why that is, but my primary theory, one of my theories why there's so many leaders or Christians who walk away from the faith is because their faith from the start never had any joy in it. And what I mean by that is it's, it's easy to borrow the faith of your parents. You know, you grow up going to church, you grow up doing the Christian thing, singing the songs, attending church, and then you grow up, but you never make it personal. You never experience a personal relationship with God. And so there's no joy. It's just this empty ritual. And so when you have the opportunity, you walk away from it. 
Um, I think some Christian leaders, it's, they, they did what they thought was the right thing to do or what they were supposed to do or what they were expected to do, but there was never joy that, that drove what they did. And so they walked away from it. And, but, but here's the thing, when it comes to our faith, this, this thing of joy is so central to who we are and to all that we do and to our faith in Christ. You see, all throughout scripture, it uses the word joy and rejoicing. And it's this idea of enjoying, finding satisfaction or pleasure, enjoyment in Christ. And I wanna make a statement that just kind of popped into my head this week as I was thinking about this idea of joy. And this isn't meant to be a, a, a condemning statement, but I think a statement of, of just truth. And here, here it is. If you're a Christian and you're not experiencing joy, chances are pretty good that you are just going through the motions. That if you're not experiencing joy, and we sang about it this morning, it's this, this thing that dwells up, that rises up in our soul, that, that, that won't let us go. It's something that comes up from within. And if, if you are a Christian or if you're just a person in general, you're not experiencing joy, you may be just going through the, the motions. And listen, I, I understand that um, life comes with difficulty and stress and struggles. I've been praying in particular in this season for folks that I know have um, experienced loss in this year. And so this time of year can be difficult. Um, but joy, there's this, this thing underneath all of that that rises up in the follower of Christ. And I, I want to read a few quotes to you from a pastor named John Piper. Uh, you know, I tend to quote old dead guys. This is an old living guy. Um, theologian I love, John Piper, I follow. And if there's any living pastor or theologian that um, speaks to this, this idea of joy, John Piper is, is the guy. So let me read you a few quotes from him. One, he says this, Christ did not die to forgive sinners who go on treasuring anything above seeing and savoring God. And people who would be happy in heaven if Christ were not there will not be there. The gospel is not a way to get people to heaven. It is a way to get people to God. It's a way of overcoming every obstacle to everlasting joy in God. If we don't want God above all things, we have not been converted by the gospel. In other words, what, it, what he says is this, this whole Christian life is about finding joy and satisfaction in Christ, not in what he can give us or what he can do for us. Here's another quote from John Piper. God is not a killjoy. He just opposes what kills joy. In other words, some people resist or walk away from God or the church because they, they just think it's, God is a cosmic killjoy. It's about following a bunch of rules and it's no fun. And I would propose that someone who would say that God is a killjoy has never truly experienced who God is and all that he has done. Because following after Christ, he is the only one who can provide true joy. Uh, here's another quote. In all the setbacks of your life as a believer, God is plotting for your joy. In all the setbacks of your life as a believer, and you know there's a lot of setbacks and there's a lot of struggle. In all of those things, God is plotting for your joy. Here's a fourth and final quote from, 
from John Piper. The apex, the height, the peak of glorifying God is enjoying him with the heart. The, the height of glorifying God is, is not necessarily what you do. It's this enjoyment, this deep soul satisfaction in your heart with the Lord and who he is. And so now that we've talked about what John Piper has to say about joy, let's, let's see what the scriptures, what the Bible has to say about joy. And, and there's five things that I just want to kind of share with you that the Bible talks about when it comes to joy. And, and I'm going to start in Luke chapter 2. So if you've got your Bible or if you've got your sermon notes, go to Luke chapter 2. And we saw this passage last week. We're in the, the Christmas story. We see the birth of Jesus Christ And then starting in Luke 2, verse number 8, we're going to pick up there. It says this, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of what? Say it with me. Great joy that will be for all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And so, this first thought that I want to share with you about what the Bible says about joy is that joy comes from knowing and receiving the good news. Joy comes from knowing and receiving the good news. So, we saw this passage last week where the baby is born, Jesus is born, and there's these shepherds, and they're out in the field, and, and this angel comes and makes this announcement to them. Now, I don't know if you've ever, like, been excited to share some news with somebody, like something good has happened, or you're just, like, so excited to share something. This is, like, the most amazing announcement in all of human history, that this angel comes to these lowly shepherds, and he says, I have good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. In other words, everybody can get in on this. This is good news of great joy unlike any other. What was the good news? What was that announcement all about? Look again at verse number 11. It says this, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know what the good news is? A Savior is born. A Savior has come to deal with your sin. A savior, Christ the Lord has come to offer you forgiveness and freedom. And y'all, do you believe that is good news today? Amen? He said, I have good news of great joy. And this will be for all of the people. And y'all, this has never changed in all of human history in the 2,000 plus years since that announcement of good news of great joy, that this is still the truth, that joy comes from knowing and receiving this good news, that there is a Savior who has done something. He's been born, he's lived this perfect life, he's died for your sin, and he's risen again so that you can have freedom. There's no better news, there's no better announcement than that. Joy comes from knowing and receiving the good news. And so, listen, if you're not experiencing joy, remind yourself this morning of what joy comes from. It comes from that good news that you can know and receive. But here's what joy produces, and I love this. Joy produces a song. 
in our hearts and on our lips. Joy produces a song in our hearts and on our lips. And this would be an incredible study for you to do on your own. We don't have time. I wish we could kind of walk through this and maybe I'll just take you on a quick journey of these songs throughout scripture, these songs of rejoicing, because what you find is that when God's people have joy in their hearts, it comes out through their lips. And you see this over and over throughout scripture. And let me just share a few of these. And this can maybe be a study or some time that you could spend in the, in the word on your own. But you see in Exodus 15, the song of Moses, after God delivers the, the, the nation of Israel, the people of God through the Red Sea, delivers them from their, their enemy, they come to the other side and they burst out in song. This is a song of Moses. And, and he declares in Exodus 15, he says, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider is thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. And later on he says, who is like you, Lord? Oh Lord, among all the gods. And so he sings out. Why? Because he's rejoicing in his heart. There's another song, the song of David in 2 Samuel 22. Now, there's a lot of other songs that David sings in the Psalms. And, you know, David wasn't a one-hit wonder, all right? But in song, uh, song, not Psalms, 2 Samuel 22, there is what we call the song of David. And this is after the Lord has delivered him from the hand of his enemies and from Saul. And he sings out in 2 Samuel 22, he says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge, my savior. You save me from violence. I call upon the Lord. And man, he just sings out for joy in what God has done in his life. And we see the song, we move into the New Testament. We see the song of Mary, which we may come back to in just a moment. In Luke chapter one, we see that it's called the Mary's Magnificat. It's her, her song of praise um, right before the Lord is, is born. And she sings out in, in Luke chapter one. Um, actually, let me, let me just read a few verses to you. I can't resist. All right, Luke chapter one, um, chapter, uh, verses Starting in verse 46, it says this. She, she cries out her song of praise. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices. There's that word again. I find joy in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of a servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And she goes on, but she just is singing out in praise to the Lord. My soul rejoices in God, my, my savior. And so there's joy in her heart and, she, and it, it flows out of her lips. We see in Luke chapter two, the same passage that we started with, the song of the angels. We saw this last week that after this angel announcement to the shepherds, this angel choir bursts out in song and they sing out glory to God in, in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so the angels sing out. And then in Revelation 5, we see what we would call the song of the redeemed. Maybe you've heard a modern worship song that we call Revelation song. And it's this, it's, it's all of the redeemed around the throne of God singing out, saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain, worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and, and blessing. 
And so all of these songs throughout scripture, the people of God rejoicing and it flows out of their heart and through their lips. What produces that joy? What produces that song? In every instance, it's the good news. It's the good news. It's who God is and what he has done. And over and over and over, we hear the people of God cry out and sing out and praise. Why? Because joy is in their heart and it flows out through their lips. And so, y'all, when we join together on a Sunday morning, when we gather as the people of God to worship, if you are just standing there, just looking at the screen with a blank face and mumbling words, man, this is a time where joy spills out of our hearts because of who God is and what he has done. And so let me remind you again that we worship. We don't come just to sing words on a screen. We come to let the overflow of joy out of our hearts flow through our lips. And yet if, if it's not flowing out of your lips, you may need to check your pulse and say, do I understand the good news? Have I received, do I believe the good news today? Because when you, when you consider all of who God is and all that he has done, it will fill your heart with joy. It will fill your lips with a song. Joy produces a song in our hearts and on our lips. And that's why at Christmas, that's why I love so many of these, these classic songs that we sing, because they're songs of rejoicing. Think about the song we just sung this morning, Joy to the World. And let me just read some of these words back that we've already sung. Joy to the world, the Savior Rains let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. All of creation is groaning and waiting for the, the redemption and the restoration of all things when, 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 when peace and final full shalom will come and all the rocks and the hills and all of creation, all of men will cry out with joy. Ver, the second verse here. See if you can hear the good news, who the Lord is and what he's done. He rules the world with truth and grace, and he makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. Man, it's all about the gospel. It's all about rejoicing in who he is and what he's done. And you listen to any classic Christmas um, carol that we sing, and it's all about rejoicing, the good news of great Joy that will be for all of the people. And so joy comes from knowing and receiving the good news. Joy produces a song in us and on our lips. Here's another thing. Something that joy increases, a way that joy increases. Joy increases in us as we treasure his word and his promises and his presence. Joy increases. You, you want to build the joy muscle in your life? Man, treasure his word, spend time in his word and cling to his promises and treasure his presence. There's, um, I'm not very social on social media, but I, I love getting these reminders every day of, of things that, 
happened you know, over the years on this day and things I posted maybe years ago. This week, um, I had this quote that popped up from 10 years ago. So from 2011, I posted this quote from John Eldridge that says that the battle in your life is against your joy. And uh, I just had to sit and think about that again. I love that quote because what it's saying is that if there's, if there's a supreme thing in our life that the enemy and that the world is coming against, it's, it's joy. Like the enemy would be fine with you going through the motions and going to church, but your heart not being engaged and your soul not finding satisfaction in Christ. He could dupe you into thinking that just because you're doing good things that, that you're pleasing God. No, there's a battle in our life and in our souls against joy. And, and I believe this because you go about all the way back to the beginning in, in Genesis 3 when you see God creates man and woman in his own image. And we see in Genesis 3 the serpent, the enemy comes and, and we see from the very beginning his plan of attack. It's always the same. It's to lead us or to lead people to temporary pleasure and away from the Lord. And so he'll try to get us to go towards something that will bring us temporary pleasure but as we move away from the Lord, we move away from the source of true joy. And, and, and we see in, in Psalm 19, it says this about the word of God. We, we see in the Psalms about the word of God, the wisdom of God, the truth of God, the presence of God brings joy to our hearts. In Psalm 19, it says this, the law of the Lord or the word of God, in other words, is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are, are right, rejoicing the heart. In other words, the word of God to us brings joy in our hearts. And so if you want to increase your joy, man, put his precepts and his law and his testimonies into your mind and into your heart and it will revive your soul. It will bring joy to your heart. Psalm 16, a, a few psalms earlier. In verse number 11, man, don't miss this. The psalmist says this, God, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is what? Fullness of joy. Where? In his presence. And God, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Not these temporary pleasures that make you feel good for the moment, but then they fade and they make you feel like garbage afterwards. No, these are pleasures forevermore. They're at his right hand. They're, they're in his presence. That is the place where there's fullness of joy. And so if you want to increase joy in you, treasure his word, treasure his promises and treasure his, his presence. And so this is why next year, my big vision for next year, I shared this at our partner family gathering is we're calling next year the year of discipleship, the year of discipleship. Discipleship is really this, this process that we all go through of, of knowing the Lord and growing in the Lord and increasing in our knowledge, our understanding of who he is and growing in our faith. And that comes in a big way through his word and the way that he builds us up through his word. And so next year, we're gonna focus on the word of God. 
Not that we don't do that on a Sunday by Sunday basis. I hope you would agree that we do. But we're going to put this individual and corporate emphasis on the Word of God. And so for 52 weeks, it's going to be a 52-week campaign for our church. Where we're going to work through a, a big sermon series called The Word. And it's really made up of eight separate sermon series where we'll, we'll walk through the entire story of the Bible from beginning to end. And it will be tied to a Bible reading plan that, that I want to encourage and challenge all of you to walk through with us for 52 weeks. And it's called the F260 or Foundations 260 Bible Reading Plan. It's five days a week. It's about two chapters a day. There's some memory verses that are attached and so there's this individual Bible reading plan that I encourage you to, to do with me through the year in 2022. And then every Sunday, the sermon will come out of that, that Bible reading that we're doing as a church. And so over at our Next Steps um, table there, I have um, this Bible reading plan, 52 weeks, laid out for you. And I'm not going to spend uh, a ton of time talking through this this morning. Uh, I'm going to devote a little bit more of that time um, on our online service next weekend. So I really want you to check that out. We'll talk more about this. But y'all, this is our last Sunday that we'll be gathering together in 2021. And so I just realized I got to get this information to y'all um, because we want to start this Bible reading plan on January 1st. And so uh, at that table over there, there is a Bible reading plan. Um, there's also in there a little insert that talks about um, utilizing what we call a hear journal. We want to hear from God. And so this is a way to um, spend time with the Lord and grow uh, in your understanding of the word of God. And so I'll talk again more about that on our online service. Um, but here's another cool thing that I love about this is there's actually three different reading plans over there. One is for adults. Um, it's called a Bible reading plan for busy believers. Um, there's also one for younger kids and older kids. So it's just a variation of this adult one. And one of the things that we're offering in our kids ministry in conjunction with this, um, we have this book that's called Foundations for Kids. It's the same Bible reading as we have um, over there for uh, older kids and younger kids. Um, but it's day by day, page by page, and it's just a great kind of devotional tool for, for kids and also for parents to be able to walk through and be able to connect with your kids and go through the same content in the scriptures together. And so our goal in 2022 is, man, to grow in our faith, to grow in the word of God, and to reach more people with the good news of the gospel. And so uh, I'm really excited about uh, 2022 and this journey that we're taking together. But the whole purpose behind it is that we would together more individually and corporately dive into the word of God and treasure his word. Because as we do that, it's going to produce more and more joy in our lives. And so joy increases in us as we treasure his word and his promises and his presence. A couple more things that I just want to say about joy. Um, next is this. Joy is not dependent on circumstance, but on Christ. Joy is not dependent on circumstance, but on Christ. And I kind of hesitate to share this kind of insight, but I remember when I first became a Christian, hearing this somewhere early on and it stuck with me and it, it feels cliche, like you already know this, so I shouldn't need to say it, but I think it's worth repeating that, that happiness is different than joy. And, and I remember hearing that happiness is based on happenings, the happenings, the, the things that are going on, the circumstances in your life. And so as you all know, 
happenings fluctuate, right? There's reason to be happy and there's reasons to, to grieve and, and, and our happiness fluctuates with that. But joy is something altogether different. It's deep within, it's from within our soul, it's settled, it doesn't fluctuate. It's based upon not our circumstances, but upon Christ and his word and his promises, which never, ever change. That even when our circumstances cause us to grieve, even when we experience suffering and sorrow, that, that there's this joy down deep that, that comes bubbling up, that doesn't change based upon our circumstance. And we see this throughout scripture. Let me just read you a couple examples. Acts chapter 13, we see Paul and Barnabas, they're being persecuted for their faith. And it says in Acts 13, verse 51, it says, but they shook off the dust from their feet against them and they went to Iconium and the disciples were filled with what? Filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And so even in the midst of their persecution, it says that they were still able to be filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Why? It's because their joy wasn't dependent on the stuff going on outside of them or around them. It, it was based upon the Holy Spirit within them. James, actually, let me go to 2 Corinthians 6, verse 10. You know, we can experience and express grief and sorrow and yet still rejoice. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 10, that as servants of God, we can live, it says, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And so if you are experiencing grief and sorrow, it's okay to express that and to lean into that. And yet if you are a follower of Jesus, you can be sorrowful and yet still rejoice in your heart because of who God is and what he has done and the promises that he has made that he will not go back on. Joy isn't dependent on circumstances, but on Christ. James chapter one, it says this in verse number two, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What, what James says is that when you go through trials, count it joy, not because you enjoy the experience, be, but because you know that the Lord isn't going to waste your trial, that he's working to make you more mature and strong in your faith, that he wants to make you perfect and complete. And so you can have joy within your soul because you know that God is not absent, but he's very much active and at work, even in your sorrow and grief. And so joy is not dependent on circumstance, but on Christ. One final thing when it comes to joy is that joy is a distinguishing mark of every Christ follower. Joy is not maybe or should be or ought to be. Joy is a distinguishing mark of every Christ follower. It is. Nehemiah 8 verse 10, it says this, don't be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It marks the follower of Jesus 
Philippians 4.4 says this, it, it instructs the follower of God to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say what? Rejoice. Why? Because you have so much to rejoice in. If nothing else, it's who God is and what he has done in your life. And so rejoice. This is a distinguishing mark of every Christ follower. And you know, like as a, as a pastor, I hear a lot of things. I hear a lot of commentary or opinions or a lot of, um, I hear a lot of compliments and I hear a lot of criticisms. And um, one of the compliments, let me share a compliment that I received that is probably the one I received the most. And um, I get it. I don't always agree with it. Um, but the one I get, I, I don't know what you would say. I, if I could choose a compliment, I don't know. It would be that you're incredibly handsome or that you are, you are, a, you are a marvelous orator of the word. You know, I, I, don't, I would choose some kind of compliment. The one I received the most, which I used to cringe at a little, but now I like embrace it. This is the one. You may be thinking it, that I'm always smiling. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that because I know what's going on in my brain and I'm not always smiling in here. <laughs> um, and I have a pretty nasty resting face, if you know what I'm talking about. So I'm like, am I really always smiling? I, but the older I get, the more I love that compliment because I, don't, I didn't get that when I was a kid. I, I wasn't like, man, you're always smiling. Um, I, I don't think it's because I just have this naturally, like, I'm just perky and peppy, and I've got this happy disposition. I would like to believe it's because there's something deep within me that produces this countenance on my face. It's not because everything's always going peachy, because it's not. It's because there's a joy in the Lord that comes out of me. That's what I, that's what I hope at least. You know, we, this, this other week, um, I want to use an example. And I didn't, I didn't ask for permission from one of our folks, Greg Osmore, uh, but he's not in the room. So I'm going to talk about him and ask for forgiveness later. Um, we were helping, um, by the way, uh, Afghan family update. We do have a home secured for them and we're moving in some furniture, uh, excited about that. So uh, a few of us were helping move some furniture into uh, the home this past week and Greg Osmore was, was with us. And if you don't know Greg, um, I mean, we were just joking as we were moving because Greg is always like Mr. Positive. And he's always smiling and laughing. And, and uh, you know, we were moving stuff and we were talking about, man, he's always positive. Even he's lifting heavy things and he's got a smile on his face. And I made the comment, I was like, I just want to see when Greg stubs his toe. Like, what's going to come out? What's going to spill out of his mouth then? And uh, apparently, a few minutes later, when I was doing something else, Greg stubbed his toe and I wasn't there, but I heard there was a, a, a brief pause in that moment. And I'm just assuming that in that moment, Greg was probably like, Lord, thank you that I didn't break my toe right now. I'm so thrilled. You're such a good God. And this is, this is just who Greg is. I know that Greg knows the Lord because joy spills out of his heart and out of his mouth, and out of his life, and out of his toe, and out of every part of him. It's just who he is. And I can't get enough of being around Greg Osmore because he, he epitomizes joy, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. 
you know, I'm, I'm not asking you to, to, to be that peppy, <laughs> all right? But I do believe that every Christ follower, man, if you, if you are cognizant of who the Lord is and what he has done in your life and what he continues to do and his promises that he will always, always fulfill, man, joy will flood your soul and will fill your heart and will come spilling out of your mouth and out of your face even because it's a distinguishing mark of every follower of Christ. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to bring us a joy that would transcend our daily circumstances, that would even transcend this very life. It is a true, deep, lasting joy. It is a gift from above, from the hand of the Lord. And it marks our lives because we've been forgiven of so much. We've received so much grace and we get to experience the goodness of God every single day. And so we can walk in the wonder of joy because of Christ, who he is, what he has done, and all of his precious promises. And if you are here listening this morning and you've never put your faith in Jesus, you've never received the joy that he offers, man, would you turn your heart to him today? Would you receive him as Lord? And if you have, if you already know him as Lord, if you already have a relationship with Christ because you've put your faith in him, would you today, would you this morning, would you in this season allow him to fill you, to fill you with his joy? Father God, thank you this morning for this joy that is above and beyond anything that we could produce, that we could manufacture anything that we could ever deserve. Lord, it is a joy that floods and fills and rises up in our souls. And Lord, we're just grateful for this joy that you have brought into the world that you have made available to all men. And so Lord, we pray that you would fill us with your joy in this season. Lord, for those who have experienced loss, for those who are experiencing sorrow and grief, God, would you, in your, in your goodness, in your love, in your grace, would you draw near to them? Would you fill them with joy that only comes from Christ? Lord, would you fill every single one of us with that joy and may others see it. May others sense it. May it come out of us, the people that we talk with and the people that we rub shoulders with, not just in the holiday season, but in the new year and every single day of our lives. There is a battle for our joy. And Lord, I pray that you would receive the victory in us, that your joy would be full and overflowing in us. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus.